You're listening to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, brought to you by Vespa. Hi, welcome to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast. I'm your host, Peter Defty, and today on the show, we have Karen Carestia of Alpine Apothecary. And um, Karen is is an OFM athlete and a, and a, I guess you would call yourself a an age grouper mountain biker, Karen? <laughs> That's right. Weekend warrior. Okay. Well, weekend warrior, but I think she's pretty serious. Um, and welcome to the show. Great to Thank have you. you on. Thank you very much. So, yeah, so we're having Karen on because Karen is a compound pharmacist who found OFM and uh, really embraced the philosophy and has used uh, the protocol to uh, enhance her life and her performance. But uh I have found her to be um, equally a, a wealth of knowledge because she's uh, a compound pharmacist. So we're going to dive into her story, OFM, and um, where pharmaceuticals make sense and where, say, the more normal, generic pharmacies probably are pretty good and uh, where, where and why compound pharmacy fills a big void. I think it's probably a bigger void than most people know, but um, I think we'll parse through all that uh, as we get into the show. So, uh, Karen, um, why don't you start with uh, your story and tell us how you came, you know, what you do, where you live, a um, little bit about yourself, and then um, let's just dive in. Okay, sounds good. So, I've, I've been in retail pharmacy uh, my entire career. We moved to Colorado, to the high country, and I was working in a, a retail pharmacy setting. And as I kind of embraced the mountain lifestyle, uh, realized how much importance there was on nutrition and lifestyle issues and things like that, things we didn't really learn in pharmacy school. Um, oh, just like uh, doctors don't learn about nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I was learning it firsthand. Um, and really became intrigued with it. And a friend of mine, who was also a pharmacist, was feeling similarly. And uh, we decided to look for, for something different than what we were doing and found compounding and did kind of a group effort to open a store in uh, Colorado. And uh, and I just absolutely loved that. And compounding is, is great because it's just as you said, it's a melding of the the active ingredients the the really beneficial things the anti-inflammatory medications muscle relaxants pain relievers things like that um, and and much more but by individualizing therapy we can do things to avoid side effects and allergens and and so forth and, so, and dosing dosing that really meets that that person's minimal response dose correct correct absolutely yeah. So my my stumbling upon Vespa wasn't really stumbling. I I found um, the books by uh, Stephen Finney and Jeff Volick, The Art and Science of Low Carbohydrate Living and Performance, and of course Vespa uh, has has a big place in that. Um, and that's where I experimented with it uh, during an endurance event and was just blown away. It uh, it was such a tremendous help. And I've heard that from several other people who have tried it for that for that same same type of reason. Yeah. So, so in other words, 
compound pharmacy is sort of a, a kind of a kind of one of those nuanced gray areas because I know you carry a lot of supplements in your your store and you've been really good about explaining certain why a certain supplement works and why those ingredients are in there and so um tell us more about how compound pharmacy it sort of fills a very legitimate void between just straight up big pharma right and um sort of the uh, natural products Mm -hmm. only area because they're always we see you know humans tend to think in binary terms so you have you know your conventional medicine that just goes with what the pharma reps recommend and then you have natural medicine which tends to eschew um using pharmaceuticals and i think that this is sort of one of those things we should talk about is 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 filling that void of of using you know pharmaceuticals when they're necessary and using active you know natural ingredients and and probably you know place for both in certain a lot of circumstances absolutely i I think time-wise we're far enough away from the evolution but compounding actually started as uh, or I'm sorry pharmacy started as compounding that used to be in the 1800s even up until the 19 um, early 1900s everything was compounded but what happened is that made medications less achievable for a lot of people because of the expense and so you had corporations that started making things like penicillin, and they would pick uh, maybe two or three appropriate doses. You know, what are the most common doses that would be used? And they made those products. And by making them in mass quantity, the prices came down, and it made medications available to a larger group of people. And that's really where the, the big shift started um, to make sure that uh, therapy uh, was more affordable, really, was one of the main reasons. And this and, was in the early 1900s? Mm-hmm, yep. Okay, and that was the same time there was a lot of medical research going out where they were identifying vitamins and minerals, and and that probably also helped drive that um, pharmaceutical supplement industry. Right, right. Yeah, and so that there was then so much of a shift towards commercially made products that compounding kind of uh, was lesser known, let's say. And uh, now we're seeing a resurgence uh, because there's a lot of unique things. We, we're we using a lot of the same medications. So let's say ibuprofen or, uh, as I mentioned, muscle relaxants or things like that. We're, see- we're using those same ingredients, but we're putting them in forms that are not necessarily shelf stable so it wouldn't be uh, feasible for a, a pharmaceutical company to to make a transdermal formulation that's going to stay stable for three years or so so that they could ship it to pharmacies um, so what we're making is individual to the patient it only needs to be good for 30 days as long as they're using it okay that's that's really fascinating so they could get a much more effective response on a lower dose probably say for you know right a lot of ways a lot of right well so that that's a perfect example of avoiding side effects because uh, a fair number of people have a lot of uh, gastric upset with some of the uh, the NSAIDs the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories 
I'm one of them. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good reason to not use them. Um, But so putting them in, and and it's a special base that's used that actually enhances penetration. It helps to loosen up the junctures between the skin cells and and drive the medication down deeper into the tissue. Uh, So it's then it's getting localized to the area where it's needed and avoiding the whole uh, gastric upset. So tell us more about like what is the training that separates say a compound pharmacist from your generic person that goes through pharmacy school and works in your CVS, Walgreens, uh, Rite Aid uh, thing. And, and I'm not, I don't want to knock these people because they really are great people and they're doing, you know, they're, they're doing something that they, they, they enjoy. They're helping people out and they're, and, um, you know, get paid well for it. But, you know, the, it, there's a there's a difference in the in the training, I'm imagining, because it's got to be a lot more robust. Well, I would say it's it's just different. Um, basically, it's a, a different type of setting. What I really enjoy about it is that because writing compounded prescriptions is a little more complicated, we have a lot of interaction with physicians. And in compounding, we really champion the idea of a triad, which is the the patient, the physician, and the pharmacist working together as a team to ferret out what is going to be the best option for this particular patient. And I think that's what's the most rewarding is not just going by what's written on a, on a prescription, but knowing that we have options and we can we can do a, a mixture of medications that's going to be that much better, or maybe the patient doesn't have to take multiple uh, prescriptions, things like that. And we're also trying to avoid, I would say most compounders um, are looking at the idea of polypharmacy, which is when people are on multiple medications, which can happen when they develop a side effect to one medication, so they need to take another medication to cover that side effect. And we are trying to avoid those things by by minimizing the side effects to begin with. Hmm, that that brings up an interesting question. So for the audience, you know, when you're when you're looking at, at having to do some some sort of pharmaceutical option, um, how do you enlist physicians to take the time to work with you? Because once again um, the whole medical industry is based on productivity and, and as various physicians have complained to me, how do you really get to know your patient when you only get 10 minutes with them? And so I, I imagine that, that that must be one of the challenges. And, and, and this is really about, you know, getting information out to, to our listeners so that, you know, they can also try to push and incentivize their their healthcare providers to give them the, 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 the options that they probably deserve. I mean, I'm not saying that this might be the solution in every case, but a lot of cases instead of just looking, you know, what you're saying to me is rather than get the physician to look at the script and write up a prescription, they've got to, they're going to give you a call and say, Hey, Karen, what's going on? So kind of give me a little scenario of how you guys have worked with your physicians to help your patients get a much better uh, treatment option. 
That's exactly true. Uh, it has to start with a physician who's open to the idea and and has the time to even contemplate it. Uh, we frequently, and, and that goes back to that, that whole triad where it's the physician hearing from the patient um, and then also hearing from us. So if a person walks into the pharmacy and they uh, express certain uh, response to a medication that they're using or uh, we do a lot with hormone replacement therapy. Um, they can explain to us what's going on. We generate a, a little report, basically, for the physician and let them know what we discussed with the patient and make a recommendation as to what, we, in our experience, um, has worked well. And we send that to the doctor's office. And a lot of times the doctor hears, they, gets our, they get our report and they hear from the patient and as, as long as they're open to it, uh, is generally receptive. Wow. Okay. So this is pretty interesting stuff then. So um, that's an area that's kind of like, let's, let's discuss that now. So um, you brought up the thing that you can do a transdermal, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. And I'm imagining you're talking about ibuprofen. Ibuprofen, ketoprofen, diclofenac. Uh, there's a variety of different ones that are used. Oh, okay, interesting. And then this is the one that that really intrigues me, and I think um, uh, is is also like you say the hormone replacement therapy. Let's talk a little bit about that, but also then let's go on and see what other options are particularly suited to compound pharmacy. So talk, get, let's talk a little bit about hormone replacement therapy. I'm, I'm imagining you're speaking about mostly females, maybe some males, um, uh, esterase creams, things like that. Yes, exactly. Uh, so we are. You're right. It's it's for us. It's mostly females, but we do uh, do some males where the commercially made uh, testosterone topicals may not be the right dose. Um, we can make them a little bit more concentrated if needed. Uh, there's a, a special gel that was formulated specifically for deliverance of the testosterone through the skin. Um, and cosmetically, the males seem to really prefer that over some of the alcohol-based gels. Um, for women, there's just uh, there's so many options as far as whether we're going to use estradiol, whether we're going to use put some progesterone in with it, testosterone, DHEA, pregnenolone. So we really can customize what's in the product as well as how is it going to be used. Uh, some women are very favorable to what we call a trochee, uh, which is basically a lozenge. So you put it between your cheek and gum or under your tongue, and you get uh, sublingual absorption, which is very good because it enhances the ability of the medication to go right into the bloodstream and not pass through the liver and, and get uh, metabolized. Uh, we do a lot of creams. Oh. We'll... Wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, certain hormones are very susceptible to either being deactivated or changed. Uh, estrogen in particular, estradiol, when it's taken orally, does have the potential to get metabolized by the liver into metabolites that are more linked with uh, cancer. Well, then, okay. And, and these lozenges, once again, is this a shelf life issue or they're not as common? Well, we use... We like to use all natural products, so we use an organic cocoa butter. 
and we use stevia and we use natural flavor oils and we can uh they're stable for six months yeah okay so that's that yeah that's not your typical farmer's sh- shelf life right so this is kind of looking very much like the the big food industry so where shelf mm-hmm. life is is king and, and that that really helps with the profitability so um are most of the females you that you're working with is this a, a perimenopausal menopausal thing or is it balanced because this is one of the things we really kind of focus in with ofm is one of the tenets of it is how individualized it is um absolutely so. yes that's what I, I love about your website is that it really uh just emphasizes that that it it is not one size not everybody going moving into fat adaptation has the same experience um and yeah we, well we work also with even adolescent uh, teenage because it's this whole the whole connection between the hormones and adrenal health that gets impacted yep. especially by athletes as you well know uh, the the really hardcore athletes, and we have a lot of them. We're in Park City. We have a lot of very serious athletes, and they don't realize what their the impact that they're having on yeah. their their sex uh, hormones by the the increased training and the the large amounts of cortisol being produced. Right, not and not getting their nutrition right if they're pu- pushing through a lot of carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yep. and then you yep. probably get a, so. In other words, it's not just your your older women that are doing this. You probably have to work with a lot of uh, adolescent uh, teens, and I, I'm sure between you know this is a complex thing that that's one of my pet peeves is like you know getting young girls hormonally healthy by you know getting the concentrated carbohydrates out of their diet. For the most part, getting on a nutrition, a nutritious, you know, a high fat diet, but it just so totally counters with the messaging they're getting. And then you combine that with the with the way our cultures kind of evolved to where we have this, um, you know, the, the 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 speed, the velocity, and the delivery of information. All these kids have devices; they're glued to them. Um, it's it's setting up some very uh, shall we say interesting physiology, um, mm-hmm. and this is all tied to what you're doing. So maybe I mean I'm sure you're seeing more and more you know cases referred to you to help you know young adolescent um, females out because I mean let's face it young adolescent males if they don't if they get too many carbs it tanks their testosterone which makes them more complacent and gives them a bunch of zits. And you know, and milk makes them self-conscious. Whereas, whereas the females, because of the delicate balance of hormones and the fact that their hormones are developing, it probably probably is a much more interesting challenge. Well, it definitely definitely is a challenge for a lot of them, and it's interesting because adolescent females can be very similar to perimenopausal females in that. Ovulation has been interrupted. So, when in your teenage years, you your system may not have matured. So, you may not ovulate on a monthly basis. And if a woman doesn't ovulate, then they're not forming that corpus luteum, which turns into what a lot of people like to call a little progesterone factory. So, you don't wow. get that rise in progesterone. And as I'm sure you you're well familiar with, progesterone is a precursor to cortisol 
So if women, right. yeah, so if women are not getting that nice surge, they're not, they don't have enough progesterone to feed the, the adrenal pathway as well as they don't have enough to balance out their estradiol. So now they've got these tremendous PMS symptoms. They have short cycles. They've got breakthrough bleeding and they just don't feel well. They're cranky, <laughs> you know, all of the, the, the typical, typical things. And it's due to not making enough progesterone and because the progesterone may be being pulled more down into the, uh, the cortisol pathway. Right. And, and of course, that goes also to pregnenolone too, doesn't it? Well, pregnenolone, yes. We call the, the mother of all the hormones because that's right. The, it's right down the line from cholesterol and could be formed. It could form progesterone or it can form uh, DHEA. So, right, right. Yeah. and that's and that's the thing is is like um, you know that and that's where we go back to cholesterol and cholesterol synthesis and metabolism is that is that's a delivery mechanism for everything for your body and and you know, includes your hormone basic building blocks. Right. So yeah. So um, if, if you don't have it, enough cholesterol, you're not going to be able to make your hormones properly. Or, so. or you, you, or more, more importantly, if you don't have your cholesterol metabolism, that's why we call it optimized fat metabolism, is because, you know, cholesterols are lipids, and um, if you're not metabolizing them well, and, and that's what I think is, I think there's significant um, impact on cholesterol metabolism because when you have a lot of glucose circulating, your body's basically on on crisis mode. You know, it's crisis management. It has to stop everything else or impair everything else just to get that glucose down. Right. Right. You no. Know. Right. So, um, hmm. This is, this is, and where, so besides the hormone therapy, what also, say for the athletic woman of a certain age, because we, we, you know, a lot of women that we work with are, you know, in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and starting their, <laughs> that journey past childbearing and, and going into more uh, of, a, of a, you know, it's, it's, it's their time. They, you know, the kids are either teenagers and don't want to have much to do with them or they're, they're empty nesters. And now, now they can exercise. <laughs> what are your thoughts there? I mean, certainly you've kind of gone through that just recently. You're an empty nester and now have, uh, you thought you had more time to do things, but <laughs> uh, as a small business owner, you know that's never the case. Well, there's always fun things, fun <laughs> projects to be taken care of. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I think it's it is a challenge because so many women naturally progesterone production uh, because of the changes in ovulation will start to decline by even the mid 30s. And if someone's been on uh, oral contraceptives for any number of years. Uh, ovulation tends to be even more impacted. But most people also have had a fair amount of stress through the, the decades, through family and through illness and, and so forth. So they kind of arrive into their 40s, sometimes feeling a little rough uh, due to that and, and not really knowing why, because it it's not such a um, adrenal dysfunction is not an issue that's really recognized as much in in regular medicine. Uh, it's either 
Cushing's or Addison's. You either make way too much or, or you don't make any at all as far as the cortisol goes. But that gray area in between where the adrenal glands are starting to be impacted isn't as recognized. And so we find a lot of people are, are just happy to realize that there's a reason for why they're feeling the way they are, that they don't feel they have optimal energy, they feel like their digestion is off, they're not sleeping, things like that, that we can we can provide uh, some good reasoning for, for why they're feeling. And then by working with their physicians, get them uh, various hormone replacements or supplements and things and, and get them feeling a lot better. So you, so in, so in other words, and this is something, another thing we really work, talk about with OFM because we want to be as, as comprehensive as is this whole stress triad. And, and, and it, it's, it's kind of interesting because when I first started doing this as my sort of day job, and I'd already been coaching a few friends for a few years, um, everybody thought I was crazy. And the only people that talked to me were the the endurance athletes who basically exhausted all their options on trying to fix their stomach and guts um, from having GI issues and bonking and puking and, you know, the whole gamut that, that you, you know, you're well aware of as an endurance athlete that everybody thinks is just a rite of passage. It's normal, right? Right. So, so now fast forward uh, 10 years and, and now we have the rise of keto and we're seeing we're seeing a lot of athletes now come to us because they've been doing, trying to be performance athletes because they've heard this miracle about keto. Keto, I'm not going to use the word nutritional ketosis. I'm going to just use keto because it's a buzzword. And we're seeing a lot of athletes come to us with adrenal stress. I, you know, I don't want to use the word adrenal fatigue because as you know, that's full-blown adrenal fatigue is, is pretty serious stuff. But mm -hmm. um, adrenal stress, just like what you've been describing, um, and I think it's 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 a very complex thing. It's not this one one once again. It's not this easy. Oh, we can solve it with this thing. It's 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 a multiple multifactorial. It's not just the fact that they're doing keto. It's that they're chronically stressed with their job or their relationships or whatever's impact them. And and um, um, would you like to comment on that and 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 how you see that from your uh, point of view, because it sounds like, you know, you're doing a fair amount of business doing hormonal thing, but just knowing you as a person, I'm sure when you have that opportunity, you're asking the question of these <laughs> clients, like, maybe can you maybe like, what's going on? <laughs> maybe you might want to look at that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we have a, um, we, we do consultations, and we have a very detailed questionnaire and asking people, about their sleep and about their uh, foods and what are they doing to relieve stress? Because I think you probably are very uh, aware that, that moving into fat adaptation in a person who is has strong adrenal dysfunction or is very stressed is that much more difficult. Because it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, and they, they'll feel miserable. So our goal is you know, make lifestyle changes, but also help with whether it's hormone replacement or supplementation, different things to get people out of that hole so that they're feeling better so that they could then make those lifestyle changes because it's very difficult to start eating healthy and 
and all these other things if you're if you're not feeling well to begin with. Yeah, so, and that's why we make a big deal about stress management in OFM because I've said this, it's just as big a deal as the carbohydrates in the diet. Yeah. And, and you know, as I said, you know, there's 101 ways to get keto wrong. If you're trying to do it and perform as an athlete, there's 201 ways to get it wrong. <laughs> well, and and I, you're, I adding think... a, you're adding another stressor. Right. Yeah. Now the body is, is dealing with yet another thing. <laughs> and, uh, but I love the idea of the best, but not just uh, for athletes, but for people who have been told by their physician that they're borderline diabetic, that their hemoglobin A1C is, is creeping up, you know, they're at 5.5 or higher, and they feel like they're eating a relatively good diet. But the Vespa can help them to really move away from those little bits of carb that they're they're taking in the quinoa and all those healthy whole grains that they're that they're eating that are just prolonging the issue basically the, yeah. the vespa is great for that yeah no what we do with with ofm is when we we do people when we have people do a hard reset uh karen this you might want to do is um the one of the first things we want to get people off of is snacking because of that um interesting dance of insulin leptin and ghrelin Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, snacking, snacking is one of those things that just, especially in females, they, they, females are two to three times, they produce two to three times the leptin, but they're way more susceptible to leptin resistance. So one of the first things we do is have people take a Vespa at, at nine and two instead of a snack at 10 and three and get them off that, that whole snacking, which is, you know, you know, when, when the quote-unquote nutritional experts started to see issues with the uh, U.S. dietary guideline diet of high fat or high carb, low fat. They told everybody to go from three big meals a day to five or six small ones. Well, that you know, we didn't have the, the, the massive sugar surges, but we still had the same amount of sugar. And lo and behold, we had that unintended consequence of hormonal, that subtle hormonal disruption of, of that cause leptin resistance. Absolutely. But now, luckily, there's so much information coming out on the benefits of intermittent fasting. And Vespa just fits right in for that to help people achieve shrinking their feeding window and, and going that 16 hours or yeah, 14. And that's what, that's, you know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's what we talk about with, with intermittent fasting is, is I like to see females do 14 to 16 to 18 hour fasts. And it should be seamless. And then males generally can do like anywhere from 18 to 24 hours pretty, pretty comfortably. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, I don't I'm not a big fan of these multi-day fasts because I think you go longer than say like a male going longer than 36 hours. You're going to start to see the thyroid turn down the metabolism. and, And, you know, if you're trying to be an athlete and. And especially if you've got a day job and everything else going on, the last thing you want to do is have the governor turn down. <laughs> that's right. You don't want to be hangry either for work. Yeah. Well, and that's well, and also, you know, especially with females, if you're hangry and you're you're not feeling calm, it's just going to make that urge to eat that much worse. I mean, it just it creates you know that shift. So, what are some other areas of 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 compound pharmacy that you find are particularly useful um, that, that have a lot of application. Um, well, one of my one of my other favorite things for us to make uh, 
are some nasal sprays, actually, which there's a very unique product that is what's called a reverse thermal gel. And when it's cold, it's very liquidy. And then as it gets introduced to body temperature, it gels. So for instance, if we take, it's called Piloxmer. Uh, if, you, if you take some medications, and we can use pretty broad spectrum antibiotics like gentamicin and mupirocin, things that aren't commercially available in that type of a dosage form. Uh, we can add things called biofilm disruptors, which help to poke holes basically in the slime that covers the, the bacteria and the viruses. Some things like uh, even xylitol or EDTA. Mm -hmm. um, putting those into a nasal spray. I, I just had a person I was thrilled who actually put off her sinus surgery because she had been taking oral antibiotics. And you know, with sinus infections, that can be multiple rounds of, of broad spectrum antibiotics that really has an impact on gut health, where mm -hmm. if we can get this, and you know, if it's susceptible, if it's down far enough in the sinuses and, and this nasal spray can reach it, then we can avoid the use of those uh, oral wow, antibiotics. That, that's that fantastic. Which is, that's my you're favorite just thing. Yeah. You're just targeting the sinuses. Exactly. Right. Um, so there again, you know, we're bypassing having to introduce the whole body to um, a pharmaceutical agent. Uh, we've got there's the same application for various uh, sores or you know, people have esophagitis or um, ulcers in the mouth, things like that. Very unique uh, dosage forms to their liquids that will adhere to those areas and promote healing. Wow, so, wow. Okay, this is fascinating stuff. Um, and, and how do you, how would somebody go about getting their, their, their primary care physician to write those kinds of scripts where in this condition like i mean sinus sinus infections are common um you know um hormone therapy i've always been very careful with with you know people ask me about these kinds of things all the time i said you know when you're starting to deal with hormones and then when you're starting to deal with thyroid hormones you really got to find people that really understand it because it's not just you know you open the book and look what the recommendation is it's you know as we're just talking now there's so many var variables and there's so and so many of these variables are so dynamic, uh, like you said. You know, you have to do a, a pretty in-depth questionnaire, which which we do the same thing. We want to know this person, uh, inside and out and sideways. Um, you know, because we're you know I'm I'm not afraid to ask about their their libido. I'm not afraid to ask them about their bowel movements. Cause, right. Yeah. You know, very all important. All those things are you know important. You know. Um, yeah, you have to know what's what's going on in all facets. If you're going to treat the whole body, you have to know all that. Yeah. So, so how do you get? Uh, what do you, What do you recommend that a, that a person do to get their their physician to to write scripts that, that get get them to a compound pharmacist for these sorts of yeah uh, well, solutions? They, you should go to. They should uh, Google uh, compounding pharmacy nearby and go and and speak with a compounding pharmacist and that pharmacist will then get in touch with their physician and get the ball rolling. And oh, okay. I mean, so that's, that's really what you... compounding is about. You, you don't really get into compounding if you don't enjoy uh, 
talking to people, talking to physicians, things like that, because it's that's just uh, a part of it. Um, well, one of the things I've really enjoyed about our interactions is, you know, the, the two of us get together, we can just keep talking and talking and talking <laughs> so and going down these, because yeah. it is it is a fascinating uh, rabbit hole, and you really get that that whole thing like we're talking about is that you know you have to make it individualized, and that just goes along that goes. Again, you know, it goes against the, the, the basic tenets of, of what all this stuff is founded on. And, and, and you know, we have to acknowledge that, that without general pharmacy and bringing the cost down, a lot of stuff would probably be unavailable. But at the same time, we always want to try to make it better. And, and I think that, you know, because of the, the rise of, of these, you know, big corporation type units and, and the power they have and then the fact that um, in the last um, couple of decades all the, the pharmacy distribution outlets have, have basically been consolidated down to what is it Walgreens, Rite Aid and CVS? Yeah they're definitely buying up a lot of stores for sure but yeah then yeah. the other one of the other major issues is uh, allergens for people. So, okay, let's talk know, about that. Yeah, there's uh, commercially made products may incorporate uh, peanut oil. There's one that actually is a fairly commonly prescribed product, and that's in peanut oil. So, people definitely can have a problem with that. Uh, there's lactose. There are uh, artificial colors, artificial um, sweeteners, things like that that are incorporated that people just don't tolerate, especially for a medication that they're taking on a daily basis. Um, even if it's a small amount, that kind of daily small insult is just making recovery that much harder. Yeah, so what, you, so what you'd recommend for somebody who has autoimmune diseases or, or is sensitive to certain allergens that they know they're allergic to, they should um, probably contact their local compound pharmacist and get them in touch with their physician. Is that correct? Correct. Right. Because when, when for example, when we make capsules, we will either use a, a hypoallergenic form of cellulose or rice powder or sometimes even uh, a probiotic powder as our filler. And then we just use uh, clear vegetable capsules and that's it. So there's, there's nothing to promote uh, any type of a reaction. Interesting. So to, just uh, to finish up, let's let's just hear about you. You're still uh, riding and trying to race a little bit? Uh, not racing at the moment, just enjoying. <laughs> enjoying okay. the riding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the there's always that, that intrigue, and I think I'll, I'll always be so grateful for the benefits of moving to fat adaptation to never experiencing the bonking anymore um, and it, it's just so rewarding and you know that you're you're treating your body so much better by not taking in all the carbs and uh, it yeah. truly is I just want to emphasize too it is impressive the response we get with with the Vespa as well oh well thanks thanks for that plug well um, anything else you'd like to add that we could kind of um, you know help the uh, the listener guide their way through this. I mean, we, we want them to get ad, adapted and it's, you know, living that OFM lifestyle, but you know, at, at a certain point in the day, sometimes medical intervention is necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I would say that if you, if you're under medical care and it's, you've given it uh, 
enough time, um, but you're not getting the response that you're looking for, certainly seek out your closest compounding pharmacy and go in and, and talk to them. And they they may very well have some great options. Yeah. Well, I know Doc, Doc Edwards, one of my partners, and uh, been a wealth of great information. He works very closely with his local uh, compound pharmacy solutions select in Las Vegas. And, and I think it's Matt. Um, uh, and, you know, it doesn't surprise me that Dr. Edwards, because he's, he's so into this, you know, he works directly with somebody like that as an, you know, both as an anesthesiologist, but also in, in, um, you know, working with various clients across the spectrum, um, in Las Vegas, you know, he sends them there. So, um, yep, they're they are all over the place, <laughs> generally. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. not well, that... a concept everybody's heard of. But once you start looking, you you know, people realize that there there are plenty of uh, facilities. Well, and I think that that's something you know we we'll, we're going to put into our program is just make that one of the options that people should be aware of their local compound pharmacy and that you know um, for certain things that we need to they need to probably look into it so super. great great well right. thank you thanks for thank your time you today. very much yeah um thanks again for your time and that was really insightful and i hope uh that uh we continue this conversation thank you karen all right thank you peter you were listening to food for thought the ofm podcast sponsored by vespa